thank you, Eugene. Um, we are the people of God. It becomes a place of God to dwell in His presence for the purposes of God. And Jesus is in our midst this morning. And I really hope you've noticed by now that He is. So when I share the word this morning, I don't want you to wait till the last three minutes of the message when I invite you to respond. I want you to respond throughout. You have an opportunity to respond at every single moment that we go through the word today and respond to him because he is in our midst. So let me start. Everyone is a follower. I'm going to make that statement again. Everyone is a follower. At the essence of humanity, of being human, intrinsically, we follow. We follow things. We follow people. Some follow their dreams. Some follow in the footsteps of their parents or the family line or the family business. People follow culture. People follow trends. People follow opinions. We follow maps. We follow the GPS on our phones. We follow our weekend plans. When we cook, we follow a recipe. We follow the calendar. We follow leaders. We are followers. Do you get the message this morning? People seek out wisdom, and if it's good advice, they follow it. But if they choose not to do so, they might just follow their own stupidity, rather. Most people follow orders. People follow the rule of law. And if they don't, and they're being caught out, they have to follow a just judicial system. And if they aren't caught, and they haven't followed the rule of law, they have to follow a life of obscurity and become a fugitive. We are all followers. People follow friends on Facebook and accounts on Instagram. You see, we cannot escape in our intrinsic design as humans to follow. And there's those who believe that they can, that no one will lead them, and that they would not follow anyone. But somehow they still have followed their own ideologies. Certain laws of nature and science and finance, or whatever it might be, to get to a place where they call themselves better than the rest. I'm not a follower. I'll be the one setting the tone. But they too had to follow at some point in their journey. We are created to follow. It's just the way that we were created. So if that is the case, this question I want to ask you this morning is, what are you following? And who are you following? Maybe I just need to make sure that you guys are awake and ask, are you following this morning? See, we can't get away from it. <laughs> Most would say that the best thing to do is to follow your heart. As if the emotions and the feelings that we have on the inside would be the best guide into life. But I've seen it in my own journey. Maybe you've seen it in yours, but I've definitely seen it in so many lives that our hearts lead us astray. So emotions and our own feelings 
might not even get us there. It's not the best advice. So if we were made to follow and even our own hearts can lead us astray, where does that leave us this morning? We were created to follow, and all our followings will to some degree or another still leave us wanting, looking for an ultimate following. Until we find what we were created to follow, or better, who we were created to follow. And I want to say this as the most important layer of the foundation of this house. We were created to follow Jesus together. That is what we were created for. And this life offers up a buffet of other things we could follow. But when we get to this point in our life that we are called to follow Jesus together, our life settles down. And our followings are all found in Him. It's who He created us to be. And most certainty, certainly who He created us to be as a church, it is the essence of who we are as a people of God. And it also speaks about the mission of who we are as a people of God. So I want to say to you this morning, if you're part of this church, get used to this phrase, follow Jesus together. Because this is what we will do. This is what we will speak about. This is what we will do in all our aligning of ministry and worship. We are a people of God who follow Jesus together. And in that is a very important statement. Eugene said it this morning. We don't follow him alone. When we read the Gospels and how Jesus called his disciples, none of them were called in isolation. And there's a funny trend in the world today that I can follow Jesus my way. And it doesn't matter that much that I'm connected somewhere. It's not the way of the Lord. And then you'll find those followings in your own heart leading you astray. But when we get to the place where we understand this place, this dwelling place of God for the presence of God, because we are the people of God for the purposes of God, this is where we can fully live out this expression to follow Jesus together. This expression encapsulates the essence of Christianity. It's devotion. We follow him. We don't follow man. We don't follow a leader. And yes, God gives us leadership, but the leadership is simply there to point us to Jesus. He is the head of the house, the head of the church, and we follow him. It speaks about fellowship. We follow him together with one another, and it speaks about mission. We will do this into the world around us. So I want to ask you again, think about who or what you are following and are you ready this morning to say, I will follow Jesus together? I will follow Jesus together with the people of God. So let's talk about this idea of following Jesus. Next week, we'll speak about the together part. And we're going to look at six instances in the gospel and the various gospels that people are invited or some of them even come and they present themselves as saying, Jesus, we will follow you and we're going to learn the essence of what it is to follow Jesus afresh. The first story starts in, we find in all three, the, God, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke. And Jesus has just started his public ministry. There's been some profound moments in his journey. He's been baptized. He's been through the temptation in the wilderness. And he has just started proclaiming the kingdom. How did he do that? 
What was his first words? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Can I paraphrase? Change your route and follow a new one, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he starts ministering and speaking his message. And he was walking down the Sea of Galilee and he saw some fishermen who's been fishing all night long and they have not had much success. And there were some people following him now because he's been speaking, repent, follow me for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he needed to speak to the crowd. So he found one of these boats that the guys have been fishing on. They're coming out of the sea. And he says, hey, can I use your boat for a moment? Because I just want to stand a little bit off, far away from the people so that I can teach them. And he gets into the boat and he teaches the following that is around them. And then he, he looks at the owner of the boat, which by now you might have already guessed. It's Peter. And he said, hey, put down your nets. And he says, master, we've been fishing all night. There's no fish here today. The tide's not working. It's not a great day for fishing. I'm packing up. I'm going home. But at your word." Already we see something shown in Peter's heart that he wants to follow Jesus. But at your word, we will do this. And they send down the nets and they pull up a massive catch of fish. Now we go to the Gospel of Mark to give us the short version of a beautiful story. And let's read together. Mark 1 verse 16 to 18. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately, everyone say immediately, they left their nets and followed him. But a little way down the shore, with two other guys also fishing. Probably the same story. The fish hasn't been great, but the story doesn't elaborate any more for us in Scripture. But he walks down, and let's read what happens in the next two verses. And going down a little further, he saw James, the son of, Ze James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he caught them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the servants and followed him. In both instances, four men dropped everything that they knew and they started following Jesus. So when we read this, we look at the scripture and we think, why would they do that? Why would they drop everything they knew, start following him? And then we create our own assumptions that isn't in Scripture. That maybe by this time, they were expecting that Jesus is going to come and ask them. And they've made some plans and some arrangements, and they were just waiting for the call. Or maybe by this time around, the word of Jesus has spread so much that they were ready and waiting for him to come. But here's the reason why they could do that. It was Jesus calling. You see, when Jesus calls... All our followings in this world cease, and we start following him. It wasn't a man calling. It wasn't a religious system calling. It wasn't an idea calling. It was Jesus calling. 
And that was enough to captivate their hearts that they said, we will leave everything and follow him. When a heart created to follow, meet the one who is meant to follow, the response is immediately. I'm going to read that again. When a heart created to follow, meet the one who it's meant to follow, the response is immediately. Now, Jesus doesn't offer them any certainty. He just said, follow me. Who of you would be okay with that? Follow what? Follow where to? Where are we going? What are we going to do? Like, give me the plan here. Just follow me. Simple. No five-year plan of success. No clarity yet as what it is to follow him. But because it was Jesus calling, their hearts could respond. Have you heard the call of Jesus? Whether it is him calling you? When last have you heard the call of Jesus? Saying, come, my son, my daughter, follow me. Just come and follow me. It's in the simplicity that they could say yes. And our world today has done a profound job to complicate things. It's in the simplicity that our hearts can respond and say, I can follow Jesus. So Jesus starts to minister with these guys by his side. They pray for some people, gets healed. They see some demons flee. And then the journey continues. And then in Mark chapter 2, it happens again. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. What did Levi do? And he rose, and he followed him. The same simple call, and the same immediate response, once again. Because this was Jesus calling man. So let's look a little bit deeper at the essence of this call. When Jesus says, follow me, first of all, it is a call of simplicity. And I'm praying this morning that you would be set free from yokes and ideas about what it is to be a Christian or be part of a church that was never intended for you to carry. When we were praying in the pre-service prayer meeting this morning, I didn't share with the team, but I felt the Lord show me a picture of pickup sticks. You guys know that old school game? Those little flimsy sticks and where we have to come and, and, and with, with real just caution try and take that off so the ones don't move. And I saw someone trying to pick up and pick off all these little things lying on top of one little stick at the bottom. And isn't that sometimes how we treat our walk with the Lord? And when we go through things, we've got to be really treated carefully. And when there are yokes, we've got to really like speak to one another. And, look. and I saw in the vision this morning how the breath of God blew over those sticks and they all flew away. And that stick was there, unyoked, free from any burden that is from man and not from the Lord. So the call is simple this morning. It's follow Jesus. He said, follow me. And that's enough. It's not a calling to a program. It's not a calling to a religious system. It's not a calling to a calendar. He didn't go to Peter and say, you know what, Peter, follow me. And then because you do, now go to the temple every Friday and then go to a home group in the week. 
Now that is what we do because in our following of him, we want to gather with the people in the temple and we want to gather with the community in homes. That's what we do as a response to following him. But Jesus just said, walk after me. Just walk behind me. Follow in my footsteps. He didn't present a PowerPoint presentation with risks and benefits. Question this morning is, is it enough for you to just follow him? Would you love to have the PowerPoint presentation of convincing first? Because Jesus is calling us all this morning. The theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer beautifully writes about this. He says, when the Bible speaks of following Jesus, it is proclaiming a discipleship which will liberate mankind from all man-made dogmas, from every burden and oppression, from every anxiety and torture which afflicts the conscience. If they follow Jesus, men escape the hard yoke of their own laws and submit to the kindly yoke of Christ. Isn't that powerful? When we follow him, there's a yoke that come and rest upon us that sets us free. It is a call of simplicity. Where have we complicated our walk of discipleship? Where have we put some layers of complexity in there and made it about things or programs or plans and not simply about following Jesus? But not only is it a call of significance, it is a call of shaping. Follow me and I will make you become. I will fashion you. I will work with you. I will mold you. I will shape you. You will become something and something significant. What liberating world, words in a world where human leaders put heavy burdens on people? What liberating words in a world where we strive to become? We fight to get to the top. We've got to work. We've got to make the things happen. And Jesus says, follow me and you will become. It's liberating, right? It is freeing. You see, the whole world message is fight, strive, make it happen, sweat, no pain, no gain, no guts, no glory. It's all on us. And we come on and we go and we make things happen. The kindly yoke of Christ says, walk with me. We accumulate for ourselves leaders, kind of leadership gurus, especially on social media, with all these clever one-liners. And we have to do what all these leaders say. And I laugh because sometimes I see the guy post one thing and then a week later he posts another thing. I'm like, did you notice what this leader is saying is completely opposite to what this guy is saying? But nonetheless... Jesus says, follow me and let me bring you into becoming. Just follow me. Sometimes we treat our journey of discipleship, of following Jesus like a linear line that we've got to walk down. Step by step. This is the step, then the next step, then the next step. You see, because we, we want to be able to put measures and control on everything, right? And no, how long is it going to take me to now be a disciple of Jesus? Show me the PowerPoint presentation. Tell me how much I need to do, and then I'll decide how much I will commit. But I believe what Jesus did with his disciples, he's inviting them into a dance. 
And yes, there's some things that we've got to walk through in our foundations as disciples of Jesus. But instead of seeing it like ticking boxes and going down this line, imagine a beautiful dance floor in the front of a wedding venue with those black and white ticket uh, floors. You guys have seen those? And Jesus says, come. And he pulls you in and he starts dancing. And as you dance with him, you hit all the moments and the places that he needs to take you as a follower of Christ. That is, that is what it is to become. So we follow Jesus in simplicity, and then he will shape us. And yes, the shaping includes commitment. It includes hard work from our side, but again, his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. And then he is so amazing that he leaves us his Holy Spirit, who gives us the power to do the things we've got to do. He has given us everything. Every single thing. No lack. No limits. I love the analogy this morning of seeing the foundation stretch. No lack, no limits. He's given us his spirit to follow after him and to become. As you follow, you become. But not just you become. It's a call of significance. This is a call of significance. He says, follow after me and I will make you become a fisher of men. He gives us purpose in this moment. So in this moment, he addressed the question, okay, Jesus, you want me to follow you and I become, but what then? He says, you know what? I have a plan for your life. I have a purpose for your life. And the biggest question that every human heart carries throughout life, what am I here for is being answered in Jesus. Well, you are here for my kingdom. You are here to walk with me and see my kingdom come. This kingdom that I'm bringing, you can be a part of that and you can live it out into the world. You can fish for men. And he used an analogy that made sense to these people. I would love to know what his conversation with Matthew was around Matthew's journey up until this point. A tax collector sitting beside the comfort and the security of his booth and a whole lot of money. I wonder what Jesus said to him. But the fishers of men is a call to significance. God saying, each one of you who follow after me will become something that will carry value in this world. And you are significant. Peter, Andrew, James, John. Fishing is good. And you can be great fishermen. But there's something better. Something your heart was created to follow. It is finding others and bringing them along to come and follow after me too. Matthew, sure, you can be the best tax collector there is. You can make a whole lot of money and you can live in a paneled home. But there is something of greater significance. The souls of those people that you take money from. I'm after that. If you follow me, you can become like me seek out to see the lost saved who here this morning desires a life of significance do you desire a life of significance follow Jesus he will make you become someone that works in his kingdom alongside him now there's three other stories 
And we're going to go to Luke chapter 9, one of the other Gospels, and, and look at where others responded different than what Andrew, Peter, James, and John did. Jesus called others too, and even some came to him wanting to call themselves unto them, but some obstacles came in the way. And this morning as we go through these obstacles and we look at three more stories, I hope that you would open your heart for the Holy Spirit to reveal to you any obstacles that you have that hinders you from following Jesus. So let's read out of Luke chapter 9, verses 57, all the way to 62, but I'm going to break it into the three stories. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, that's to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. The first obstacle we've got to overcome in following Jesus is the obstacle of security. And here's someone that says, Jesus, wherever you go, like, I'll go. Like, just say the word, I'm there. Like, I'll, I'll come, Jesus, I'll follow hard. Whatever you ask of me, wherever you go, doesn't matter how scary it is, doesn't matter how far it is, doesn't matter how difficult it is, Jesus, I'm there. And Jesus turns around and he tests the heart of the one saying that. And he says, you know what? I don't even know where I'm going to sleep tonight. <laughs> For many of us, we want our boxes of security clicked and checked before we say, okay, Jesus, I'm ready to follow. And in all three of these stories, we don't know what the other party or the other person responded, but Jesus just said, most nights, I don't even know where I'll sleep. And this whole world that we are in is wrecked towards security. We've got to have educational security. We've got to have financial security. We've got to have career security. We've got to have house security. We've got to have, you, you guys hear the mantra of the world? But could it be that those things have become an obstacle because Jesus might be calling some of us to places wherever he wants to take us, but the securities are limiting us to say, Jesus, I will follow and you will make me become everything I need to be. My heart battles with the obstacle of security. Most days, when things don't look like I'm going to make the month, so that's most months, right? <laughs> when the petrol price goes up. It's real, guys. But didn't Jesus say that if I first seek his kingdom and his righteousness and follow after him, that my Father in heaven will take care of all these things? Think about Peter for a moment. He could have gone off and sold all those fish that he just caught and make a whole lot of money. He could have said, oh, Jesus, I'm coming. But let me just go make a whole lot of cash because then I'll be able to pay for some of these things that we need to go do. He could have used his security of being a fisherman and say, okay, Jesus, most days. But on Saturdays and Mondays, I'm going to fish. Is that all right? The Bible says he left his nets and started following Jesus. He chose to follow Jesus. He took the first step of overcoming the obstacle of human security by saying, I trust you enough 
that I can follow after you. Because we were never created to follow human security. We were created to follow Jesus. And I want to go to my friend Bonifer again this morning. And he says this, the first step must be regarded to start with an external work, which affects the change from one existence to another. It is a step within everybody's capacity, for it lies within the limits of human free will. Although Peter cannot achieve his own conversion, he can leave his nets. In the Gospels, the very first step a man must take is an act which radically affects his whole existence. The very first step we were given the ability to take out of free will is to say, Jesus, I will follow you and I realize it's going to change my whole world. In different measure for each one of us. It will be costly. And Jesus teaches later on, and he says, who who wants to build a house doesn't sit down and figure out the plan first and do the costing and see whether he can actually build this house. And he says, count the cost of discipleship. If we want to follow after Jesus, we've got to climb over. And some of us need to jump over this morning. And some of us, we're going to help get over because we follow him together, this idea of security. That I need to know things are in place, then I can. Is that obstacle one that your heart has been carrying? So you might say right now, wow, Jesus, you're making it quite hard. Can we flip the script and not look at what Jesus is saying, but look at the human hearts that isn't responding to what he's saying? See, it's not Jesus making it hard. It's the culture. It's the nuance of the day. It's the directing of this world that is making it hard. And we are quick to say, yeah, this, this is really hard. No, it's not hard. Jesus is making it simple. Come, follow me. I will make you a fisher of men. Jesus is making it simple. I will give you my Holy Spirit and he will live in you and he will empower you unto Christian life. Jesus is making it simple. Ephesians 2 verse 10. You were created in Christ Jesus for good works which he prepared for you beforehand so that you may walk in them. It is a simple journey, but this world is making it hard. Some of us have said, sure, Jesus, you're making it hard. We've got to change that today. And see, no, he's making it simple. The complexity and the demands of our world today is making it hard. And do we for one moment think he doesn't know that? Surely he does, but he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. And he, when we follow him, will help us along the way to overcome these hard things in life. So do you battle with the obstacle of security in following Jesus? The second is the obstacle of duty. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Sure, Jesus, this guy just wants to go and bury his dad. <laughs> just let him off the hook for a moment. You see, this is where... Cultural context in the text is important. That's why we've got to read our Bibles, but not just read it, we've got to study them and understand. When this person was saying, okay, Jesus, I will follow you, but first let me go and bury my dad, what he was saying is, 
there's a whole year-long commitment that I've got to fulfill. There's a duty I've got to pay before I can follow you. Because in the, the, the customs of those days, when someone has passed away, and especially when it's the patriarch, the father, where there needs to be great honor given, they start the ceremonial burial process this day when he dies, but only a year later when they take all the bones and they put it in a kind of box and put it away for safekeeping, the burial process is over. So what he was saying is, okay, Jesus, in a year's time. In a year's time. Because there's some things that I need to go and do. I've got some duty that I have to pay. And what Jesus was actually doing is he was trying to liberate this person from the weight of the law. Because this man was still carrying the weight of the duty of the law. I've got to do all these perfect things. And Jesus says, well, you know what, you follow me, go and proclaim the kingdom. It's as simple as that. Just come and become and go and proclaim the kingdom. Don't let all these things and duty hold you back. I guess what he was also trying to say is that many of us want to follow him, but sometimes the duty of this world to our own families, to our own places of alliance, is placed above the desire to just follow him. I believe that each one of us in this room can relate to some point where you had to choose between family and standing for Jesus. See, nothing new today. It's just the same old. And when Jesus calls people, he says, me first. And you know what? When you abandon yourself to Christ, you'll be the best family man and family woman to find in this earth. I believe that. I look at people like the Karosses, who's abandoned themselves to the call of God. And not only are they living out the family life amongst their natural family, but in this house. So some of us might say, sure, Jesus, my family, Jesus says, you know what, follow me. I'll take care of them. Sometimes we want to assume his work. We want to take care of him like it's, like we Jesus. He says, they're mine too. I'll do a better job at fathering them, at mothering them. You know what's the best thing you can do for your family? Let them follow me. Let the Holy Spirit dwell in them. Let my spirit empower them from a young age. Tell your kids at a young age, follow Jesus. Yes, mom and dad is here and we're going to help you try our very best. But follow Jesus. What would our children look like if that's what we say every day? And yes, we have a responsibility to teach them the way of the Lord and to teach them discipline and do all these things. But I'm talking about the essence, talking about the foundation. If we get the foundation right, then we can build and the other things. So where has duty been an obstacle in your walk to follow him? And in the last story, the last person speaks about the obstacle of conditions. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And there is those words that many of us have said when Jesus calls. Okay, but let me first. But let me first. 
And God, I'm going to lay down my conditions. This guy just had one condition. Like, okay, Jesus, I'll follow you, but let me first just go do this. And all of our hearts carry these obstacles of conditions. I will follow the Lord. I will be part of the people of God in the presence of God, a house, a church. But I'm going to come with my conditions. I'm going to come to church saying, I'll be part of this church. But if this and this and this happens, and if you don't expect this and this and this of me. Do you know what we expect of you in this church? Follow Jesus and let him become, make you become a fisher of men. And within that, the leadership will show you how to do that. But you see, we come with all our conditions when there's a call from God. And then Jesus paints an interesting picture. He says, anyone who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the field in front of him. It's not fit for the work of the kingdom. Because when you're not looking at the work, what's going to happen with the plow? It's going to veer off. And what does that mean? It means destruction. That's why he said that. He didn't say you're not welcome in the kingdom. He just said, it's great that you want to follow me. But those conditions are going to take your eyes of following me. And that's the story of our lives, right? It's the story of my life this week. When my eyes have veered off to other things, to conditions, and I might have just misstepped. But Jesus says this morning, put your hand to the plow, look after me, follow after me. I will make you become fishers of men. You will plow the fields of my kingdom. You will see fruit. You'll enter a season into fruitfulness. And the future that I have for you is bright and glorious. And there will be abundance. And there will be life. And there will be joy. And there will be a togetherness in this community that we can all bask in and enjoy and love having together. Because we follow Jesus together. So this morning, have you said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first. I believe there's some of you this morning. Could be all of us. I do that often. Check my heart. You're holding on to some things that you know the Spirit has been speaking to you about. There's been a convicting. It's very clear. He's convicted you already. But you've been saying, Lord, just let me first. Where have you said those words, Lord, let me first? Because this morning he is standing in front of all of our hearts and he's knocking at the door. And he's saying, will you follow me? It's a simple journey. It is simple. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And as you follow me, I will shape you and I will work you. And I've given leadership to the church to show you the way that you must go so that you can be shaped into becoming someone of significance in my kingdom. Don't let the obstacles of security, don't let the obstacles of duty, don't let the obstacles of your conditions get into the way of settling your following heart. Because we were all created to be followers, but it's up to our choosing to choose who we will follow.
I want you to reflect on this for a moment this morning. To really deeply think about this. We're not going to have music. But I want you to just think about those six things. Simplicity, shaping, significance. And then the three obstacles. The obstacle of security, the obstacle of duty, and the obstacle of your conditions. I want you to speak to Jesus about that this morning. Just in your mind, you don't have to pray out loud. Maybe you want to write down. Maybe you want to turn to someone next to you and say, hey, so here's my story. I realized today that I haven't been following Jesus because of these things. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring the convicting power that we need this morning, all of us. Because we do need it. Thank you for your word that is so clear. And thank you for your spirit that illuminates the effect of the word in our own hearts. So I simply pray, Holy Spirit, come. Speak to your people. May they hear your call to follow after you this morning. Let's give a few minutes, all of us, to reflect. Follow Jesus together will be the purpose mission statement of this church going forward. It wasn't just a word today. It was a defining moment for us to say we are embarking on a pure, defined road of discipleship. We, we follow Jesus, but we follow Him together. And everything we do together is to follow Him. And as we follow Jesus together, we will become disciple-making disciples. Look out into this world and fish for men, fish for women, fish in the fields of the kingdom that we're putting our hands on the plow for, to see others come and follow Jesus together. So get used to this. This is going to be our language. This is going to be who we are as a people. And we follow Jesus together. And if you want to say, I agree with that, just stand with me for one last moment. I'm going to end in prayer for us this morning. And then we're going to conclude this moment together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Thank you that you've been leading us beautifully, powerfully, with clarity, Father. Lord, and as we have been hearing from your Spirit and hearing from your Word that it's a time for us to be clear on how we built for the future, on the foundations that you have for us, Lord, we as a people of God say we choose this morning to follow Jesus together. This is who we are this is what we will give our lives to. This is what your body is for. This is what you've called the church to be, Father. Thank you, Lord, that in this invitation, but also in this statement of faith, you will continue to lead us as the people of God into everything you have for us. So, Lord, this morning, I bless everyone in this room with a deep sense of your simplicity in this call. Lord, that they would simply find Jesus Every single moment of the day, 
that finding you and following after you would be simple. Lord, I pray secondly for every single one in this room, Lord, for a deep sense of you shaping them this week into becoming the person that you want them to be, Lord. And I bless your people this morning with a great, great sense of significance because you have called us and we will follow after you. And if you can agree with that, give me one loud amen. 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 That's awesome. Let's give God a praise before we go.